Hello, Pastor Steve Waldrum with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us, and I'm so thankful to be your host. We're going to be looking at their contradictions in the Gospels. I'll tell you that really the person who's been leading this charge recently is Bart Ehrman, a former evangelical from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So let's take a look at this. We're on pages 150, excuse me, 43 and 44 of the Popular Handbook of Archaeology in the Bible by Holden Geisler, a book I highly recommend. You know, you can buy it, have it in hard copy as well as listen to these podcasts. I throw in little bits and extras every so often here. But let's get started again. Thanks for being with us today. So is there contradictions in the Gospels? Numerous liberal scholars throughout the history of biblical interpretation have sought to identify contradictions within the Bible. Many of these attempts can be regarded as popular-level propaganda pumped out by atheist and skeptic organizations. Most of them don't deserve serious consideration. I will tell you, well-presented error is dangerous, though, whether it's visual or written or some other format. Recently, however, Bart Ehrman has been responsible for several New York Times bestsellers, so it's worthy of a lengthy response here. Unlike many critics who find conspiracies involving the Bible and who do not warrant much attention due to their lack of credentials and poor research, such as Dan Brown, Bart Ehrman is a fine historian who's widely respected within his field of biblical scholarship. While other interpreters may propose similar kinds of things, Ehrman has been the most influential and consistent and thorough in these allegations, so we'll engage the form of arguments found in his works. One of his most recent works, Jesus Interpreted 2009, Ehrman insists that contradictions and discrepancies fill the New Testament. Appearing in virtually all the parallel stories and teachings of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. So, you're going to say in this chapter we'll address several of these alleged tensions. Ehrman delineates these examples in the second and third chapters from Jesus Interrupted, a world of contradictions and a mass of variant views. In assessing these instances of discrepancies that Ehrman provides, it would be helpful to address them within the following categories. Additional details, differing accounts, contradicting accounts, and historically inaccurate accounts. Under point one, we consider various additions to details that occur in one gospel, may not in another. Point two involves those instances which seem to involve additional material, but material that seems mildly in conflict, according to Ehrman. We might refer to these as proposed discrepancies, but not direct contradictions. I will say one thing that like Finest Dake really, I think, did a great job on, I know many of you don't like him, is there are times there were instances in the Gospels, let's say, that people who were doing harmonies of the Gospels would try to make one instance uh, let me say this, two instances into one. And so what Dake would point out, he would say, it's just two different events. And so, you know, if you've got one demoniac here and two demoniacs there or something like that, well, you know, some of the background, it could just be two different events going on. No need to harmonize. There may be times to harmonize something like that. 
I know the one that really stood out to me was the Sermon on the Plain and the Sermon on the Mount. People going to great lengths to, to harmonize them. But in Luke, Jesus gives a Sermon on the Plain. Matthew gives a Sermon on the Mount. So he taught the same thing or similar things, two different instances. Repetition's a mother of learning. That's nothing unusual. So, you know, I think that's... Also, I did want to mention there's a lot of great books. Like, Haley's got one on alleged contradictions of the Bible. And uh, I think Christ and all the scriptures goes into some of that as well. And, uh, like, Gleason Archer. And then some like uh, Gerardus Bow and Pete Ruckman and... Uh, David Cloud, I'm really, David Cloud's first-class scholar. He may not be credentialed, but he is thorough and great. Point three involves pieces of data shared between the Gospels, which are, according to Ehrman, in direct conflict with one another. Finally, point four, we're back reading in the book, by the way, point, it's contradictions not between the Gospels themselves, but between the Gospels and secular history. These classifications remain very important, in weaving through the maze of supposed inconsistencies that Ehrman attempts to present to his readers, each discrepancy type necessitates a different kind of response. And really, only categories three and four should raise much concern. This will become clearer as we proceed, and especially the weakness of Ehrman's cumulative case, which remains built mainly upon categories one and two. But for May, now we may note the force of this point. There are really only categories three and four are at all worrisome from the reliability of the New Testament. It rests on what biblical scholars often refer to as literary criticism, a field with which Ehrman is well familiar. Most of his readers, however, are not. So I know like reading Dawkins' books, you know, he's this militant atheist incredibly well written but even Darwin is as well Stephen Jay Gold is but I would disagree with their points and that's the difficult thing is when somebody writes well just because they write well doesn't mean they're true this is important because Ehrman knows good and well that scholars commonly acknowledge differing literary agendas among the gospel writers these agendas constrain their choices certain data over others. For example, Ehrman makes a big deal out of Luke's mentioning Caesar in his birth account while Matthew focuses on Herod, excluding any reference to Caesar. Such an issue is easily resolved when an interpreter takes into consideration the narrative purposes of the gospel authors. Luke writes to a Roman official, Theophilus, quite probably to help equip Paul as he stood on trial in Rome. And Matthew apparently wrote to a more Jewish in audience, in view, and naturally makes more interest in Herod. And, you know, that's the reason he does so much with Old Testament prophecies. And many people think Matthew was originally written in Hebrew. There's actually a gospel of Matthew in Hebrew extent. Ehrman's insistent that such differences create a serious obstacle to the credibility of the gospels remains shocking. The above example should provide the reader a certain grasp of these categories by illustrating their importance. So we move forward in our assessment. Note also that not all these four discrepancy types will occur in every example. So we'll just go through some of this and uh, perspectives of history and archaeology. 
But we want to say, God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Pray God's richest blessings upon you. We appreciate you being here, whether it's your first time or a thousandth time or somewhere in between. And we would invite you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It really helps people find us. Continue to pray for the ministry. I hope to see you again tomorrow or later tonight, depending on if we've got another podcast. So God bless. Do remember to listen to all of our uh, backlist as well, the previous podcasts. They're short. So talk with you later. Bye-bye.